When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This spring, there's an outside chance you're ready for some outside projects and a 100% chance of saving at the Home Depot. Right now, stock up on five bags of Earth Grow or Vigoro Mulch for only 10 bucks. Plus, with great low prices and free delivery on your favorite spring projects, you'll save in-store, online, store-wide. Bring on spring. The spring savings event now at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Limit 75 per customer. Color selection varies by store. While supplies last, continental U.S. only. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, real lifers. I hope you are all hanging in there. I don't know about you, but... I feel like this past week was one of the toughest weeks I have had since this whole COVID situation started. It just feels so much more ominous. There are so many more people I know that have gotten sick, and I just feel more isolated than ever before. Just sharing that all with you. I feel like as we get into this Thanksgiving week, so many of us are going to be separated from our families, but at least we know that we all have each other, this wonderful Bravo community, and are going to come out this the other end. I'm recording this on a Saturday night, and I live in a neighborhood of Washington, D.C. that's notoriously very rowdy. There is a lot of bars and restaurants, and even though not as many of them are open right now, people still congregate in the neighborhood to get together, and there is a loud brass band playing. And I'm listening as I'm recording this, and I just noticed they're playing the song Killing Me Softly. And it just feels like not the most appropriate song for the moment with everything that's going on. And it's, oh, my dark humor is the only thing getting me through these days. I am starting another egg freezing cycle, so my emotions are all over the place. And the only thing, honestly, that is getting me through all of this is Bravo, especially the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I can't wait for you guys to hear me break it down this week with Hannah Brown. She is incredible. But just wanted to share a few thoughts on the Real Housewives of the OC and Southern Charm because we don't recap them this week. But on the Real Housewives of the OC, Bronwyn and Sean do a vow renewal, which I'm just like, no, don't do it. Because we all know that they have, I don't know if they've separated or what's going on in their marriage, but she is dating someone else, but they're still married and he moved out, but then I guess he moved in. We all know a vow renewal on Bravo is a kiss of death. And I just was sad to watch it happen on TV. 
And the hardest part of watching this wasn't watching Sean and Bronwyn. It was all of the women who were on their way to watch this vow renewal who found out that tequila was not going to be served because it was a trigger for Bronwyn. Keep in mind, other forms of alcohol are still going to be served at this event. But because tequila wasn't going to be served, Kelly Dodd insisted that they all go to a liquor store and they buy bottles and bottles of tequila and they put it in flasks. Kelly just walks into the hotel to greet Bronwyn with a huge bottle of tequila. And I mean, it's it's so shocking how much they disregard her feelings and her new sobriety and are disrespectful of the one thing that she's telling them triggers her. But Kelly's response to all of that is like, well, just because I'm diabetic doesn't mean I'm not going to serve cake at a party. It's, uh, I don't know. It really, I think it triggers something in these women. The fact that they can't get through one evening without tequila Like Bronwyn's alcoholism makes them realize that many of them have a problem too, and they don't want to acknowledge that. So instead, they make fun of the fact that she's sober and go ahead and drink anyhow. It is, it's wild. But what's even more wild is starting to watch the beginnings of coronavirus in March with the Real Housewives of the OC. You hear them sort of mentioning it. Of course, Shannon Bedore buys out Amazon on all cleaning supplies and hand sanitizer. And, you know, it's sort of ominous. It's like they don't really know if it's going to get worse. And it's going to be really tough to watch them handle it. But then on Southern Charm, they really get into it. I mean, you're watching Austin see the governor speak. He's got CNN on. And... Everyone seems to realize that this is a problem, except for Craig and Catherine. So Craig seems to still think that this dinner party is going to happen at Patricia's. And then when that doesn't happen, he wants to have his own party. And everyone else is like, no, Craig, I don't think a party is happening this week. And then Catherine thinks that she's going to go on a trip to New York and Madison, the Madison that works at Gwen's, has to tell her, hey, I don't think that's happening because of coronavirus. And Catherine's like, I guess I should Google that. And this, I'm telling you, at this point, it is like March 15th. At this point, I have gotten all of my supplies. I'm locked in my apartment. I have no idea how Catherine Dennis has gone that many weeks without even realizing what was going on in the country or in New York City. And as Shep says, Craig seems to think it's not real. He's a conspiracy theorist and is blaming things on 5G. So if any of you guys are looking for advice on public health or vaccines, I would steer clear of Craig. (laughs) Okay, before we get to the guest, I wanted to let you know that I am going to be on the podcast. It's all happening with Amanda this week, chatting all things Salt Lake City and Real Housewives of Potomac. So give it a listen. 
And as always, be sure to find me on Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast. And my personal um, Twitter is at Mandy Slutsker. And if you like the podcast, go give it five stars, write a nice review. I always love hearing from all of you. Now, without any further ado, here is the lovely Hannah Brown. Hi, everyone. I am here with the lovely and beautiful and talented Hannah Brown from the Not Aspirational podcast. How are you doing, Hannah? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Mandy. It is an honor to be here. I'm doing great. So I have known you since your days as a brown-eyed unicorn, but you have since progressed into this new podcast, this new platform, so many more listeners. Like, tell me what Not Aspirational is about. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. um, I think by the time I rebranded, I had had my podcast, Brown-Eyed Unicorn, for like two and a half years because it was actually like last January that I was like, I'm rebranding this shit. It doesn't feel like me anymore. I'm kind of over it. Um, and so not aspirational. Like when I was trying to come up with a new title, I kept just saying like, God, I'm just like not aspirational. And I kept like saying that to myself because it was something I used to get like really down about. Like I would get on Instagram and I would see so many people like in our age group, like, you know, in Santorini with their friends and like wearing this designer, whatever. And I was who's like, in Santorini though, for real. Wait, what? Like who's in Santorini for I don't real? Know. Like, like LA people. Yeah. Like other, you know, just other people in our age group who are like in the entertainment space and like making all this money at a really young age and just like balling out all over Instagram. And I kept being like, God, what's wrong with me that I'm not doing that? And then I was like, record scratch. That's what, like, that's my superpower is that, like, I am not aspirational. I like to think (laughs) that I'm honest about, you know, everything in a way that's hopefully relatable to people. And I was like, I'm just going to lean the fuck in and show that, like, no matter how much money you make, no matter, you know, what handbag you have, there are things about everyone that makes us relatable and makes us all feel less alone when we can laugh about pop culture or share our stories or what have you. I love that. I think anything we can do to feel less alone during this time is so important. Yeah. It's the most isolating year of (laughs) life. For sure. And I think like, and I also think like, for me on a personal level, there were so many other topics I wanted to get into that I feel like when I started Brown Eyed Unicorn, I like wouldn't have talked about like mental health is really important to me. And like, yes, I love Bravo, but like, there's a lot of other shit that I like too. And I just wanted to like, kind of start fresh in a way that allowed me to like weave more into my show that mattered like topics that mattered to me I love that when I went on your show you got me to open up about my love of turtles and (laughs) how much money I spent on these two turtles that I got to try and give them the best habitat in life ever I loved that story. I was like, wait, please keep going. Tell me about the apartment that you built for your turtles. Like it was everything to me. (laughs) So bizarre. But if you ever want me on again, I'm sure I could tell you a whole lot about mental health journeys because I have some diagnoses that I didn't know existed. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Isn't that fun? We all have like a little cocktail of, you know, things to unpack. Right? Like I have apparently hospital associated PTSD, which, you know, is that what Mary has? 
I so that okay, we're gonna get into that. <laughs> I think so. I think she does. For me, it's not the smell; it's the sounds. You know, so, uh, but I didn't realize how bad it was and that it can actually impact weeks later after having been in a hospital, you like start having PTSD and you don't know why. Oh my God. It was, it was not easy to figure out. No, I was going to say that's like house. Like, I feel like that's like something on house that I'd be like, that's the thing that you can have. But it totally makes sense because traumatic shit goes down in hospitals for many people. So, right. of course, your brain's like, ah. I know. And apparently, if you have a life-threatening disease and or something like that, and then you recover from it, it's the weeks in recovery where you're mm-hmm. actually most likely to have mental health issues, not while you're like at risk of dying. Wow. I mean, that kind of makes sense though to me because it's like you just came back from, you like quote like cheated death. Like you came back from a really scary time and you're processing like what the fuck just happened to me. Like weeks later, very That's bizarre stuff. Wild. Yeah. So everyone who's listening who thinks I'm normal, it's just, it's not possible to be normal. <laughs> Nobody is normal. And I certainly... Nobody is normal. <laughs> Nobody is aspirational. That's what I'm saying. That's so true. It's so true. Shit. Yes. Well, yes. something aspirational, though, that you do that I really look up to is your impressions of various okay, people segue. in pop culture. Because... I'm obsessed with your impression of Claire Crawley from The Bachelorette. The wig that you put on, the like lip movements that you do. Claire. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Have you always watched The Bachelorette? Uh, No, I've actually dabbled. So I got back into The Bachelorette. I like dabbled in Jake Pavelka's season and then got back into it with Caitlin Bristow, one of my all-time favorite Bachelorettes. I think she's amazing. And then stuck to it and then sort of like went – I'm trying to think like who all has been The Bachelor Bachelorette since – Caitlin. But yeah, that's pretty much what got me back into it. And I always watch Bachelor in Paradise like absolutely no matter what. Bachelor in Paradise is probably the only reason I watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette anymore. And, you know, watching um, watching Claire's season slash Tasha's season, I'm like excited. Like I'm excited to see who Tasha ends up with, but I'm also excited to see some of these men in Paradise. Let me tell you. Who are you most excited to see in Paradise? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know if she's going to pick yet. Um, I would say... If she doesn't pick him, I really like Easy. I would love to see him in Paradise. Um, I also have a soft spot for Ben. I would like to see him in Paradise. I feel like Noah could go to Paradise because he's like kind of a bad boy and like good looking enough that like they'll want to put him on an island. Those names pop into my mind first. What if Yosef showed up in Paradise? That would be wild. He'd be like the Chad <laughs> this year. I feel like producers need to prevent the other contestants from having to experience what Claire That's experienced true. like with, with Yosef. Let's let's spare these women, please. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. I mean, what are your overall thoughts of Claire? Oh goodness. Um, you know, I've always rooted for Claire. I actually really like I always rooted for her on Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelor Winter Games. I did not love her as the Bachelorette. Um, I will say 
And I don't want to seem like I'm playing both sides of the fence. I will say I have divided feelings on her, though. Like, I thought it was refreshing that she felt all her feelings so in such a big way on the show. Like, I understood that she was just kind of over it, that she was there for a reason that in her mind, this was her last shot. And she, like, could not handle any shenanigans. That being said... I found her to be very, very exhausting and her manic energy got really irritating after a while. And then when her and Dale, like even when her and Dale like hit it off, she was just like, oh my God, like her happiness was exhausting. I was like, this is overwhelming. Like, I'm happy that you're happy, but like, I don't need to watch it for another however many weeks. No, thanks. And I think producers agreed. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all agreed. The only issue I have with that show is I feel like they're so manipulative, the producers, Mm -hmm. that you don't always get to see who these people really are. Because how could you have someone on a season that you hate and then they come on Bachelor in Paradise and you're like, we love them. It's all editing. It is smoke and mirrors, baby. And the stuff that they do and the mental health fallout that some of these people have after being on the show is so severe. Mm-hmm. That it, I feel guilty sometimes watching, and I can't, if I'm going to watch, I want to watch with a critical eye. And I feel like with Claire, they tried mm-hmm. to make her seem crazier than she was, mm-hmm. and as if no one had ever behaved like she had. And Oh, for sure. That's definitely not the case. Well, that's part of why I didn't tag her in my video either, because I'm like, I'm doing an impression based on what I saw on the show. But I also didn't want to like hurt her feelings and make her think that like, I actually think she's a crazy person because I don't. I think I just think what she was going through emotionally on camera was very intense and the way it was edited together. Like we didn't see any moments where she wasn't at a 10, which is also why in my single days, I had so many friends being like, you would be so fucking funny on the bachelor. You should totally go on the bachelor. Like you would have the best one liners. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, I would get like a crazy edit. And I know that. Yeah. See, it, you have to know that about yourself, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't, and like you said, I would not be able to handle the mental health repercussions of putting myself out there on that huge scale and not being in control of like what version of me people saw. Like, fuck that. No. Totally. Okay. Pivoting back to Bravo from ABC. So usually I chat about various things that are in the news with housewives and such. This is a little more housewives adjacent, but I just have to get your thoughts. Amelia Gray Hamlin is apparently dating Scott Disick. There have been rumors of this for the last few weeks, but Mm -hmm. it looked like they wanted to be photographed on the beach Mm -hmm. this past week. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. What Just the hell is going on there? Living their best lives during the <laughs> pandemic while LA numbers surge. Not a mask in sight. Um, you know, I Scott has a type, clearly. <laughs> um, and I think Amelia, like I'm more concerned for Amelia. And I was just on Monty's Patreon and we were talking about this too. And Monty made a great point where she said that like Amelia, as someone who's had an eating disorder and um, depression and anxiety to the point where she had to come home from college, like is this necessarily the healthiest relationship for her? Because um, and piggybacking off of that, her dating Scott takes her to an echelon of fame that is like beyond Bravo at this point. Like if you're anywhere near the Kardashian family, the amount of attention you're going to get is so intense. And while I understand where Amelia is at, where she probably sees Scott as this like older, wiser businessman making, you know, very expensive <laughs> sweatpants and sweatshirts um, yes. on, you know, on TV. Um, I, I don't. 
I don't think it's a healthy match. And I'm more just like hoping that Amelia stays mentally sound amidst all of this. Because I don't think it's the best idea. It's so crazy to me that a 40-year-old man would want to date a teenager. Mandy, what do they talk about? Like, literally, what do they talk about? I, I don't know what you talk about with a teenager. I don't know teenagers. Yeah, I, I try not to know teenagers because they're mean. You're right, I'm not they interested. Are. Yeah. My little cousin once asked me if I was a teenager. Because <laughs> he, like, just learned what they were. He was three. So cute. He's like, you know, this is a baby and I'm a toddler and you're a teenager. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he's like, well, who is? I was like, I- I'm sorry, Teddy. I don't know one. You're like, I don't know one. Uh, Amelia Hamlin? I don't know. Addison Ray, I don't know. I, did, I only found out who Addison Ray was, like, last week. Oh, bless you. Is she like a a TikTok person? She's a TikToker and she makes so much money doing mediocre dancing while sticking her tongue out. And she got the lead in the remake of She's All That, which apparently they're gender bending like or yeah, they're like she's going to be the Zach character and she's all that, not the Laney character. And like a guy is going to be the Laney character. And I'm like, so you mean the movie can't buy me love starring one Patrick Dempsey from the eighties? Like that's what that is. Why do they need to redo it? This wasn't even that long ago. They absolutely don't need to redo it. And question, how do these TikTok people make money? I think like SponCon, because they all are signing with like, you know, CAA and ICM and UTA and all like the biggest agencies in the game. And then they just monetize everything. But I'm on, so I'm not on TikTok, but I have the app so I can watch it sometimes. Mm -hmm. I never see ads. Am I doing it wrong? Oh, maybe I'm not on it long enough. (laughs) I'm not on it. I try not to be on it that much. I'm not on it as much as like my older sister. Like my older sister is like blowing me up with TikToks every day. And she's like, oh my God, this one's so funny because her For You page has gotten really curated. Like she, like her For You page has some really good shit, but I don't, I'm not on it that much. There's only one person I really like on TikTok. Who? Um, Oh my God. She's from Wisconsin. Uh, Christine Snaps. Ooh, I don't know if I follow her, but I love oh, people from Wisconsin. She's the best. She made, I guess she used to be on Snapchat before. I'm like so mm. old. Before, um, so she her first TikTok video, she filmed herself going to Walmart and buying a cactus. And it went viral. And then she like named the cactus. And all these videos were about the cactus. The cactus got married. She officiated the cactus Shit. wedding. There was a cactus honeymoon. Like, this is she's insanity. so funny. I think she works at a dog daycare. So like yep. she's like that kind of a person. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be a good, hilarious person to work at a dog daycare. And Hell she's yeah. just, she never wears makeup ever she never brushes her hair she just is lives her life she leans the fuck in i love that yeah so i don't know when i opened tiktok that was like the first thing and i was like oh she's hilarious like i love this app (laughs) (laughs) and then i was like why why is everyone else dancing (laughs) but yeah forget it i'm not interested in the dancing um i was trying to think though. did i have any other thoughts on amelia because i feel like i had one on the tip of my tongue and then i forgot it Oh, basically just like teenagers are rude. What the fuck do they talk about? Now I remember when I was Amelia's age, I was definitely into dudes that were like 20 years older than me. And I never like successfully dated any of them, but I like talked to some dudes who are much older than me. And I have to say, 
half of why I was attracted to them was because I knew that like it would piss off my dad. And you know, that's an issue between me and my therapist. But like, I thought that like, I also thought that I I must be like really mature for an older man to like be attracted to me and like want to talk to me. Like I must have such profound things to say at the age of like, I was like 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, like that age bracket when this was happening. Um, and looking back, I'm like, no, that's not what that is. That was just... It, you know, of course, it's a 40 year old man's going to be like, well, I'm hot shit if like a 19 year old wants to talk to me. I just don't think I knew any 40 year olds. Like when I was 19, I dated a guy who was 23 who was in law school. And Ooh. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. That is cool. He's going places. Like he Warner had his Huntington own apartment. I was living yes. in a sorority house. <laughs> That is Mandy. Get after it. See, for me, it was like I would I went through a phase in Chicago and this was like mm, like when my mom was very sick, not to make excuses. I don't need them. But like my mom was really sick. And so one of my like coping mechanisms is I would just get dressed up and like go to a nice bar in Chicago alone with like a book or like my journal. And I would just like drink and like talk to dudes. And usually it would honestly, quite frankly, it would usually be like a 40 year old like bartender, which at the time seemed cool to me. And like, again, no shade if you want to be a 40 year old bartender. I'm just saying it's not like I was like meeting these like daddies who like worked on, you know, Wall Street or whatever. Yeah. Doesn't Scott have a teenager? Who, Mason? Oh, I don't know how old his kids are. I don't, I don't either. I don't follow the Kardashians as closely as like, I don't want to say as I should, but as like, I feel like everyone else does. But yeah, Mason's probably what? Like, I think 12, 11. Yes, because I think he's 10. And I can't, I think Monty might have told me this, is that like Amelia is closer in age to Mason than she is to Scott, which is like wild. That's creepy. It is. I don't it's know what you want. Maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm not interested in people that are like that much older or that much younger than me. It's just hard you for know, me to imagine. Yeah, I feel like there are like exceptions to like every rule, of course. Totally. But like by and large, I do feel like the place you're at in your life when you're 19, the experiences you've had the maturity level you're at. Like, I just don't understand like what the common ground is between you and someone that much older than you. Like, I don't know what you talk about. I don't know what your mutual interests are. I don't know like how your wants as far as like what you want out of life go would align, you know, I don't know. Wow. Well, I bet Lisa Renna is both horrified and loving it. See, that's what I think too. I think it's, I think it's both. I do think she cares about her daughter. I do think she's worried about her daughter. But she's like, as long as we're here, let's make some money off this. Yes. Like, Kris Jenner who? Like, <laughs> I saw a picture of Rinna on Instagram today in her confessionals, and she looked stunning. I will say, I don't like Lisa Rinna's normal Rinna hair. But when she wears those wigs, some of those wigs are fantastic. And she looks, like, really hot. She's beautiful. She really is. She's like, really beautiful. Like when she started like wigging up regularly, I was like, oh, now I can like actually see that you're like stunning. It was just the hair that was getting in my way. Definitely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> shall we get into the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Yes, we shall. Oh, my God. It is so good. I mean, so it just good. keeps getting better and better and yes. better. Okay. Yes. Tell me, am I wrong with this or mm -hmm. right? 
they showed on episode two a couple flashbacks that seemed to be from four months earlier. Did they start filming early knowing that they just needed to get these women on camera and like ready for prime time so that four months into filming, they would actually start the season? That's a really good question. Are you talking about the flashback when Lisa said to Whitney that she dressed very Utah? Yes. I was wondering that too. Um, I'm sorry, when she said to when Lisa said to Whitney yeah. that she dressed very Utah. Um, yeah, I I was wondering that too. I feel like they had to. Like I feel like they had to get some like exposition content that they could sprinkle in throughout the season to like make the storyline work. It go it works so well. Seamlessly. Because it feels like the women didn't just meet each other. That there's like a few months of, and some of them have known each other for years, Mm -hmm. but they've all known each other for a few months. As a group, yeah. As a group, and that is brilliant. Yes, and I feel like that's part of what we're all enjoying so much as an audience is that it's such a cohesive group of women, and I feel like often in the first season of a new franchise, it's a little clunky, and you're trying to figure out as an audience member, like, do I buy this? Can I invest in these women? And this, it was like, it had this like season two, season three, like Roni energy where we just like jumped in and we were off to the races. It's perfect. It is. It's beautiful. It's everything we all needed. Like we all earned this. Okay. This year's been shitty as hell. And now we all get to bond over Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Do you have a favorite? Oh my God. So first episode, I was like, Jen Shaw. Yes. I did not like her in episodes two and three. I did not. Yeah. And I, and then I thought like Heather was going to be my favorite because she seems like a sweetie. And I really do like Heather. But as far as like giving me like housewife realness, I'm actually and this is the opposite of what I said in episode one. I'm actually really into Meredith and Lisa right now. Nice. What well, about I mean, you? that Chicago kind of Jew energy, you know? Yes. And, and that's actually what I didn't like about Lisa because growing up in Highland Park, Illinois, I was like, she reminds me of all the moms who like judged me and my family as a child. Like, I'm not interested. Like snobby Jewish women. No, thanks. But I also have missed having a housewife who openly loves Diet Coke because I love Diet Coke. And in 2020, so few people are that vocal about their love of Diet Coke, knowing how bad it is for us. So like we have not had someone that vocal about their love for Diet Coke since Jill Zarin. And I love that about her. They're afraid to like talk about Diet Coke, but then they're like, you know, taking swigs of their jewel in between their <laughs> confession. Literally. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like whatever floats your boat. Of all the things, of all yeah. the vices. I really like Whitney. And that is not yes. who I expected. But she is bringing whatever I I have been interested in learning about. Mm-hmm. And she's really open and vulnerable about kind of being judged and when she sort of fell out with the church and when she started questioning things. Yes. And oh, she is bringing me everything. Yes. You know, I find Whitney to be really, really refreshing, too. And I think that I, in the first episode, like, that, that, like, because she talked like this. And like had her like cute yeah. little blonde bob that she was just going to be this like kind of like boring like sweetie. But she's like not afraid to like start conflict. She's not afraid to dance on a stripper pole at her wedding. She's not afraid to like leave the Mormon church when it's not for her. Like I I like that she's very open about who she is and like accepting of who she is. Love it. Well, let's get into episode two because I am saving episode three for myself for next week, which I anticipate being very depressing <laughs> for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was like, I need to give myself something to look forward to. Something fun, yes. Um, so t- it's taken a lot of willpower, though. Like, a lot. 
So you haven't watched it yet? I have not. Oh, I won't in. allow myself. So great. I'm, yes, oh, that's good. You're giving wait. yourself a gift. It is. It is mm-hmm. truly a gift. But this um, episode two starts out with um, a Jen Shaw's party for Meredith, which is really just Jen Shaw's party. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Screaming and yelling about Mary to her hairstylist. And Heather mm-hmm. comes in to comfort her. And then we get the various takes on what they think Mary looks like. Mm-hmm. Christmas tree or loofah? I would say loofah. What about you? I actually think a loofah. Yeah, because it's a lighter yeah. green. Mm-hmm. We've all it's, seen the light green loofahs, you know? I think about like my college self with my little like shower tote, <laughs> my light green, my mint green loofah, like like hanging off of the handle. You know, also, I will say, and this might be a hot take, I thought Mary's dress styled the right way, styled differently could have actually been like a really fun festive moment but like mary doesn't know when to say when when it comes to accessories and uh so like i wouldn't have worn it with like white tights and like dark pumps and like a million necklaces but like i actually didn't hate the dress interesting when i mm-hmm. watched the dress it wasn't really what it looked like i just felt itchiness yeah did you it grow up dancing a little cheap. what did you ever did you grow up dancing I did. So you know that tulle fabric that you were forced to wear until maybe about age 11? Mm-hmm. You know, the, every dance costume had tulle, like in the 90s, early 2000s. Yes. And with like the threading and like the sequins <sighs> on the outside, like it just like, it was he- so felt itchy. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I got so many like rashes and stuff from wearing them. I have such sensitive skin. So when I see that <gasps> tulle, I'm just like like I can't, I can't. <laughs> also speaking of the fashion on this show I've never wanted a light pink giant faux fur more than now I love their fashion it is me too fun yes it is have so you watched, fun have you watched princess switch 2 yet no I haven't seen princess switch 1 or maybe I don't know what it is oh my gosh it's a Netflix movie where with Vanessa Hudgens where she plays oh. like two people who switch and spoiler alert in the second one there's a third Vanessa introduced (laughs) and she her styling is like a real housewife of Salt Lake City she has like icy blonde like long hair and like wears a lot of like like fascinators and like big jewelry and like shiny clothes and I'm like oh my gosh she's giving me full Salt Lake right now and I love it I love it too. We never see like good dressed for the cold fashion on these yes. shows. Even though New York is cold when they film, they mm-hmm. never look like they're truly filming in the cold. No, they're they fighting like it. They're, yeah, they look like they're filming in like on like a sensible like fifty degree October day, like at all times. It's just I I absolutely loved it. Um, now <laughs> I'm so confused as to why it would take twelve surgeries. For Mary to have her odor glands removed. It's clear she had lots of different surgeries, not just these odor glands. But let me tell you, I relate to her anxiety and pain around hospitals. I do. Well, I feel like then you must have had a different perspective on this fight because you knew like viscerally like what Mary was feeling when she smelled Jen's hospital on her. (laughs) (laughs) Although Jen claims in interviews that she never was actually in the hospital with her aunt, so she couldn't have smelled like it. So I take Jen's side on this. I feel like Mm -hmm. Mary, had she articulated herself differently and been like, this smell triggered me and it brought Mm -hmm. me back. You can say that even in the moment. 
Like yeah. even when you're having your anxiety, even when you're like, oh no, you could say, oh my God, sorry, something reminds me of hospital smell and it's bringing me back to some bad memories. Yes, and also she did not have to bring her aunt's life choices and in air quotes yeah. and health into it. It's like, okay, Mary, that's not what we're talking about here. That's just like a mean thing to say about someone's family member. And like, you know, you know that like, the way she was handling it, it's like, you know, you're going to piss Jen off and I wouldn't want to piss Jen off. I appreciate that Mary's not scared because as a housewife, like, please give me all the conflict. But like on a human to human level, I'm like, come on. Also, can we talk about Mary's life choices that led her to the hospital? Come on. I mean, you don't have to get your odor glands removed. You don't wait. have to get plastic surgery. Is odor glands like is I'm is assuming like, she just didn't want to sweat. And so she okay, got like thought. glands removed from under her arms and other places, which Ugh. then apparently led her to code on the table. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, sorry, I should not laugh about this, but if you're going to judge someone's life choices for getting amputated, what about your life choices that led you to code for an unnecessary, not life-saving surgery? What about your life choices that led to you marrying your grandpa? <laughs> Like, come on. She's talk about so it. sketchy, but so good for this show. Uh, we need her. Now, she is an absolute. There are a couple times during this episode where these women just were full on, like, A-list housewives in their um, apologies. Mary, mm-hmm. you know, she's trying to kind of stop the fight. Meredith comes in. She's like, now is not the time. This isn't the place. And Mary says, I'm sorry if I hurt you. I would never want to hurt you. And then Jen, you know, she just goes in for a hug. And that was the only way to resolve that without Mary actually taking blame. And I commend her for that. Yeah, honestly, it had like big like Ramona apology energy to me where it's like, I'm just going to say this even though I don't really care because I just like don't want to deal with this conflict anymore. I'm just like bored of it and like over it. It is something else. Now, the conflict that I was all about was Whitney versus Lisa. So, okay, question. I know Lisa owns this Vita Tequila company. I Mm -hmm. thought that she was sober. I thought she didn't drink because she's Mormon or Mormon 2.0 or whatever that means. But does she drink? I don't think she does. So, but then later in the episode, (gasps) a waiter asks her what she wants at dinner. And she says, I literally (gasps) wrote it down. She says, I'll I'll advance. Yes. I'll start with water and then advance. Advance to what? A Diet Coke with light ice and lemon? I mean, that's also anti-Mormon. Is it? Yeah, you're not supposed to have any caffeine. Oh, fuck. Jesus. <laughs> I would be the, you know, I knew I would be a terrible Mormon, but now take caffeine out of it. I mean, I okay. know some more, like I know one Mormon who drinks Diet Coke, but that's like her only thing. Like she Ooh. doesn't have tea or She's a rebel. coffee. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a rebel, honey. <laughs> but I can't quite, I really, we're going to have to watch more of this season to figure out if she actually drinks. Oh my gosh, putting the pieces together. We love to see that, Mandy. See, this is why I love podcasting with you because I I literally, I'm like, I miss things. I, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I got the gist. And then like you and so many other like incredible Bravo content creators will like put together the puzzle pieces and be like, but wait. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even notice. She also swore. And you're not supposed to swear. 
So it's not a big deal when Whitney or Heather swear because they have already been excommunicated from the church and have said that they have a tenuous relationship with the church. Mm -hmm. But Lisa's the one that's like, I'm LDS. I'm a convert. I love it. It's improved my life. And then you see her doing things and it's like, but which we need to figure out what what uh, Mormon 2.0 is. Yes, I have questions. I have lots of questions. Where did you fall on this fight between them? Um, <laughs> I think Whitney could have been a little bit less intense about how um, drunk the bartenders were because yeah, it was tactful. a gift. It, yeah. it was a gift. She also didn't need to point out that they started um, getting into her top shelf tequila because you're insinuating Lisa's tequila is not top shelf, which we all know because none of us know what Vita tequila is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lisa could have laughed it off. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. They mm-hmm. both Lisa. What I didn't like when Lisa afterwards off camera called Whitney and threatened to expose her as a swinger. That's where yeah. I think things went too far. I agree. Yeah, because, okay, I watched this episode twice. First time I watched it, I was like fully Team Whitney. I was like, oh, Lisa, you're such a snob and a half. Like, get out of here. Second time I watched it, I was like, okay, but now I'm trying to think, like, you know, obviously it's a reality show, so I'm thrilled that Whitney brought this up on camera. But, like, person to person, Whitney could have easily called her off camera and been like, hey, I just, I want you to know as a business owner, like, your bartenders got a little drunk. I didn't know if you wanted to talk to them about it, but, like, thank you so much again for the gift. I just thought it was your business to know that. Because, like, I would, if it were my friend, I would want her to know if, like, people she hired were acting a fool because I wouldn't want that to be a reflection of me or my business in the future. But bringing it up on camera was basically, like, throwing multiple shots at the quality of her tequila and the quality of her business. So I understand why Lisa was pissed. I do, too. I really loved Lisa's husband. I have no idea what his name is. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Are you talking about after when she was like (laughs) venting about it and he was just sitting there listening? And what did he say? He was like, do you he said, do you want listening or do you want feedback? And she's like, no, I just want to talk. And he was like, "Okay." And then he just shut up again. (laughs) It was like Jake. Amazing. Jake, Jake looked at me and he was like, is that what you need sometimes? And I was like, for sure. Have I not said that yet? (laughs) I don't want advice. I just want to bitch to you. (laughs) It's, it's so funny. I noticed that a lot of men in particular are Mm -hmm. problem solvers or when you're complaining to them about something, they're taking what you're saying and in their head, they're trying to solve the problem for you. And so their response is, okay, well, what if, and you're like, what? No, I'm just complaining. Yes. I'm either like, what? No, I'm just complaining. Or I'm like, I'm not stupid. I can solve the problem. I just want to complain about it. You know? <laughs> and Jake's like, I don't think you're stupid. When did I say you were stupid? And I'm like clearly projecting some of my own shit, which is like between me and my therapist. <laughs> but it was interesting that Lisa got so upset that she left the party early. I wouldn't let that ruin my night. I would she stay and get all chill the chill out. Yeah, exactly. And and I understood what Whitney was saying too, where she's like, Lisa wants to be perfect and she wants to present as perfect. And because I kind of poked a hole in that, she like freaked the fuck out. Whereas Whitney <sighs> like doesn't care about being perfect. Like right. she leans into not being perfect and like likes that about herself. Although she looks perfect. I know. She's like a beautiful little like doll. She's so pretty. So pretty. Uh, and the next day, we see Jen's cleanup crew. <laughs> they're they're shouting, "Hide the bodies!" 
all the assistants. So okay, many her assistants. Team, her team looks really fun. I really like all of them. They seem to have fun with each other. Mm-hmm. They really, really do. And her mm-hmm. husband is, he's got a good attitude. He comes in and he's like, how many people did you have? Yeah. And she's like, it was just us. It was just like the girls. <laughs> he knows. He knows shit went down. Mm-hmm. And then we get just like this little snippet of Whitney dancing on her stripper pole with her daughter. And it was really cute. Like she's dressed in all this, um, you know, workout gear. It's clearly Mm -hmm. something she uses as exercise, this pole. Mm -hmm. And to show her daughter this fun dance and stuff, they were having this cute little bonding moment. Okay, I'm so glad you said that because I was watching it and I was like, her sweet little ginger daughter, Bobby, is so cute. And she's like, Mom, show me what you can do on the pole. And I was like, <laughs> I hope that like there's not something weird about me being like, this is so sweet. But I thought it was a sweet moment, too. It's not like she's wearing a bra and underwear and dancing around Yeah, like titty tassels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's wearing workout clothes and doing yeah. an actual workout. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done pole dancing? Oh, my gosh, no, but I really want to. I, I saw Hustlers yeah. and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> how can I do like all that? Do you remember the scene in Hustlers where J-Lo is like explaining all the different moves you can do on a pole? Yes. I was like, can I do like one of those? She's like the Peter Pan, the unicorn or whatever they were all called. And I was like, I want to do it. <laughs> she had to do so much work for that movie. Oh if J-Lo had to do so much work for that movie, like there is no hope for me because that woman's been ripped her entire life. It's something else, though, to be able to do that. I watched that movie with my dad and stepmom. It was... Um, How was that? <laughs> special. All of a sudden, my, my dad in his Russian accent goes, they drug them? <laughs> I love stories about your dad responding like, to the shit we watch. <laughs> it was like when he finally figured out what The Bachelor was about. Yeah. He goes, they live together in sequester? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yep, and they're not allowed phones, Dad, and it's really messed up. So the pole, so I've done a pole dancing class for someone's bachelorette party, and it Fun. is so hard. We were so sore. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get My off the shoulders. ground. I ba- oh, I barely did. I spent most of the time just like slowly falling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> not yeah. a whole lot of spinning. It it's tough. So. Props to Whitney. Um, And so then you see kind of the Whitney and Heather versus Lisa. Because Whitney and Heather Mm -hmm. go buy some ski gear. And Whitney talks about her situation with Lisa. And Heather talks about her situation with Lisa. And you see, like, okay, here is the storm brewing. Mm -hmm. Um, We find out about, you know, the Lisa's threatening Whitney on the phone, which we don't know if that happened, but... Mm -hmm does not look good no and then oh this is when whitney opens up about polygamy and her family's history yes i also loved how she said how she said the word swinger like swinger it was like a hard g (laughs) swinger and she says that so it sounded like her family and i don't know how many generations ago this was but it sounded at least a couple generations ago, the houses mm-hmm. would be next to each other and connected with tin cans, like as a phone system. And when the marshal would come to town, they would all like be like, hide the wives. <laughs> and all the wives would hide. So wild. Wait, so, okay, will you clarify this for me? Because I feel like I didn't fully understand. So 
the husbands would talk on the cans to each other? No, I think one husband would have so many wives and the wives would tell each other to hide. That was what I took. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Wait. So I know that this like shouldn't be so shocking to me, but like the idea that like the wives could get in trouble, even though they're not the ones who are married to a million people is like ridiculous to me. Like, why is it all the women's fault? I think it's all of them. That would oh, get, so in would trouble, get in but trouble, they, okay. but they were the ones that they, they were in it, it together. Yeah, you know, they held it down. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. We, Do you think? Yeah, yeah, I like remember when I was little and I watched the movie now and then. I always wanted to have like a tin can phone between me and my friends, and like to this day, I'm like, does it work though? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I tried it with my brother, and we like did it between our rooms once. It just it. Maybe it was because I was like six years old and he was two and couldn't really talk. <laughs> <laughs> Still disappointing nonetheless. I was like, no, this is going to be awesome. I wanted to drill a hole but in the wall between the rooms, but was told no. Oh, my God. So funny you say that. I wanted to make a little passageway between me and my sister's rooms in the wall, like a little trapdoor. I like fucked with a trapdoor as a kid. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And secret passageways. I love that. If I ever have a house and children, I would love to have like a little door or something between their rooms. So cute. It'd be so So fun. fun. Oh my gosh. I have a friend who just got a home in like Lake Arrowhead or like somewhere in the woods in California. And she put in a secret door that looks (gasps) like a bookcase. And if you pull the right book, it takes you to a secret room. And I like saw on her Instagram and I was like, oh my God, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. I know. So cool. Is it like a bunker? Maybe. I don't know what she's doing with it yet. I just saw the door open because she's like redoing the whole house. And I was like, whoa, that is sick. Can she stay there until COVID goes away? I think so. (laughs) I think that's what she's doing. I think she's like taking the lockdown to just like renovate a house in the woods. And I'm like, you're the coolest person I know. Talk about actually getting something done. (laughs) It's okay, Mandy. We're talking about housewives. Like that's getting a lot done. Okay. Diving into my neuroses (laughs) farther (laughs) and farther. Me too. So then we meet Whitney's dad, Steve, who used to own uh, his own hair care line, but his addiction took it all away. And it was, he, I really like this guy. I know he's got a weird wig, but like, I like his energy. He seems like a nice person. I agree. He's wise. He said, I prayed for the rain. Now I got to deal with the mud. Hello. Brilliant. Put that on a hat. Put that on a home goods pillow. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wow. Agree. Put that on a pillow in Kristen Doty's on house. On a mat. Like yes, to wipe your mat. shoes. I prayed for the yes. rain. Now I got to deal with the mud. Mud room. Okay. Literally, that is such a Kristen Doty item. Like I can't even stand <laughs> yes. it. Let's make that a just call James May. Yes. Call James May immediately. Be like, you're welcome. Pay us a percentage. It was really great, though, to hear her talk about how most Mormons view addiction as a consequence of your choices, because Mm -hmm. I don't think that's unique to being Mormon or being in Utah. That's just a lot of people believe that you can choose to stop using substances, Mm -hmm. as we've seen on the OC this season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful to hear her talk about her experience learning about substance use disorder through her dad. You know, Mm -hmm. about how it's really a disease. And hopefully people watching learn something. Yes. I think like, and I think because of like mainstream media, everyone has a very specific idea in their head of like what an addict 
looks like. It's like this dramatic, like CSI, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas it's like, no, no, no. Like anyone could be battling addiction, whether you notice it or not. And like, I think having someone in your life go through it, I think it has to make the whole issue change the whole issue for you. Because the second something's personal, you have like a new investment. And I think it's really actually sweet and like tender to see how Whitney is like supporting her dad through this and not judging him and just like wanting to get him any sort of help that she can. I know. It must be really tough, though. I mean, it's not easy for the person who's going through it, but it's also not easy for their family members. For sure. Because it sounds like she found out about his painkiller addiction six years ago. Mm -hmm. So and he's only recently gotten sober. So that's Mm -hmm. six years of her standing by him while he's using and Mm -hmm. hoping it something gets, you know, gets better. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's not easy. Yep. Another thing that's not easy was watching Meredith and Seth go to dinner. Woof. Aesthetically, I think they're a cute couple. Like, I think they're both very attractive. I think they're very cute. I get the sense. So at this dinner, we find out Mm -hmm. that they (laughs) are separated. Apparently, he filed for divorce in August. This Mm -hmm. filming takes place in November. And they, I guess, he withdrew the divorce around that time. Mm-hmm. But it sounds, I don't know, my impression from the dinner is that he really wants to make it work. And she is really not an easy person to communicate with. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, like when he he was kind of digging at her about the whole like she's on her phone too much thing. And then she basically was like, let's just have fun. Like, let's just keep it light, keep it breezy. And it's like, I would love to keep things light and breezy all the time. But clearly, like, it's hard to keep things light and breezy when there's like a deeper issue going on, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of disagreed with the way they both handled it. Like, I think the idea of trading phones is like ridiculous. He basically, when he said, I'll show you my phone. She's like, I don't want it. And he's like, but I want you to look at it. At least then you'd care. It would show that you care. I didn't understand that. I felt like she hasn't shown any sense of jealousy or interest Mm. in his life or anything. And he's not sure if she even wants to be in this marriage. Mm. And he just wants even anger from her because then it would mean that she's cared. Instead, she's giving him ambivalence. Well, shit, when you put it that way, that's actually really sad. That's how I took it. Um, no, that's... T- see, Mandy, you always put things... To- like, I, you're, you're smarter than me. It's <laughs> no, fine. that is not but, true. No, That is not like, true. It was just we all see things so much differently. Sense. That makes so much sense. I felt like he was trying to use the camera to talk about things and force yeah. conversations that she clearly was avoiding. Yeah. And I think he just wants something from her, like... I don't know. I wrote down, he seems to want to make it work. He's like, have you told your friends we're separated? Have you, Mm -hmm. like, how are you processing this? And Mm -hmm. she is not. She is just like, he's hitting a wall with every single thing he says to her. Yeah. And I think, I think too, I mean, she's a successful businesswoman, which is like badass and amazing, but it does seem like, I mean, it doesn't seem like I can only imagine if I were the CEO of a business that sometimes it's easy to sort of get in a pattern where you put that ahead of your marriage because you're like, oh, like I'm married. Like this is my person. This business needs me right now. So I think trying to like spread out her energy has to be kind of hard. But to which I say they should be in couples therapy. Like I feel like there's a solution for that. 
I think she's seen someone. <gasps> you do? I'm yeah. the most naive person in the world. I'm literally like, no, she's fine. She's just busy with work. No, when they did that interview, unless they edited it a certain way <gasps> and they asked them, you know, about their separation, he goes, well, I sure as hell am not seeing anyone and I hope you're not. And then they just show her and she's silent. So maybe she did speak and they just cropped it that way. But I, mm? oh my gosh, I hope, I mean, I don't know why I'm so invested, but I'm like, I hope not. Like, No, I, I want them to work. work it out. It just yeah. feels like she does not know how to communicate and she just shuts things down when she doesn't yeah. want to talk about them anymore and walks away. And so every that. conversation has to be on her terms, mm -hmm. which must be exhausting for a partner. Mm -hmm. And wait, I'm, I don't want to skip. Okay. You haven't watched episode three yet, so I don't want to spoil anything, but we do get more of her relationship with her children in episode three. And I will say it's interesting to watch that dynamic because I think in episode three, her children, specifically Brooks, kind of steamrolls her in this one scene. So I'm interested to like hear your thoughts on it because it seems like in her relationship with her husband, she's the dominant one who kind of gets to decide what's discussed, what's not etc and he's like grasping at straws whereas with her kids I feel like there's a level of like I don't know so her son I think is an aspiring designer and has yes. a line and I think he stayed home from school to try and place his product line and be filming so he could be some sort of icon on the show and, you know, whether or not that's good or bad, it, it is what it is. And, um, genius, because yeah. I love Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone loves Brooks. He's he's something else. He's pretty funny. <laughs> yes. Then we get all of their uh, ski outfits. And mm -hmm. it becomes clear that Lisa, Jen, and Mary definitely don't know how to ski, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, Lisa seems like she's been living in Utah for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Same with Jen and Mary. I'm shocked that they don't know how to ski. I know. I mean, I have to say, though, like, even though I don't live in Utah, I have no interest in winter sports either. I do have interest in the cute winter sports outfits they all picked. That's true. Like, I, I like sledding down a hill. That's about the extent of my winter sports. I'm not interested in, like, snowboarding and skiing and, like, shredding the powder or whatever people say. <laughs> I don't like downhill. I've done it. No. I'm horrible at it. I'm too Downhill scared. Skiing. Yeah, I feel like I go too fast. I don't feel like I control when I stop. Um, I really don't like the ski lifts, although the ski lifts at this place looked way nicer than the ones that I've been on on the East Coast mm -hmm. where you feel like you're about to fall and like mm -hmm. die. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I but that. I love cross country skiing. You know, I'm a Minnesota mm -hmm. girl. Are you ever afraid that your legs are going to like spread apart and you're going to like break your like groin or like? Yeah. That's my fear. It's like downhill like, for sure. Yeah. yeah, cross country. No, cross country is much more like controlled. Okay, that's good to know. It's more like it's different. You use your hip flexors a lot, mm, so cool. You don't feel like you're using all this energy, and then the next day you just can't walk. <laughs> oh, right on. Okay, cool. Good to know. I love it. Okay. Um, um, this also this whole like sartorial like journey with all these ski outfits reminded me of the Mary Kay and Ashley movie Getting There where they go to like the Olympics or something. I think it's in Utah. I think it's in Salt Lake City. Oh, it was in Salt Lake City in 2002. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's yeah. And um, and basically like that whole movie, it's not about Mary Kate and Ashley actually doing winter sports. It's just them looking fucking cute and ski goggles. And I love to see that. 
It was it was so fun. They seemed like they went seen Jen practice the day before. Loved. In her kitchen, around her heels, trying. Yes. <laughs> it was and they were amazing. like, move it, move it, move it down that hill. Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a teacher in high school who got to high school using like rollerblades and ski poles. What a cutie. And then when it snowed, he cross country skied to school. Hell yeah. I love that. Got to get that exercise. And I didn't think that was that weird. And then in college, I made a comment about it once. And people were like, where the hell are you from? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know. It seems like a reasonable way to get to and from school. Yeah, sensible. That's where did your teacher put all their ski gear? Like in a closet? Yeah. Put it in there. You know? Cool. <laughs> right on. It is so weird. There was also a lake outside my school. Like it was on a lake, just like everything else in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And when the lake would freeze over, people would bring their fishing huts out and they would build little houses and then do ice fishing throughout until like March or April, whenever it would start to mm-hmm. the ice would thin. And um apparently that's not normal either. <laughs> Wait, that's like ice fishing scares the shit out of me. And like skate, like my, I have a cousin who's, she like lives in Maine and she is like an ice skater and she posted a video of herself, like ice skating on a frozen lake. And I was like, aren't you scared? No, it's so, the ice is so thick. It's so thick. So thick. How do you know when it's too thin to ice fish? So the department of natural resources actually measures it every like multiple times a week and oh. puts signs out. Oh, okay, cool. So you're not just like winging it being like, hope I don't fall in. No, no. And it's part of actually getting your license. You have to pass a written test with all these questions about how deep the ice needs to be for you to drive on it. Okay, good to know. So. Wow. I'm going to begin my ice fishing career, my cross country skiing career. (laughs) I mean, you're really selling The weird thing about ice fishing, though, is the fish are really small. Like, I don't know what happens to the big fish when the ice freezes. Like, maybe they're all the way at the bottom. But the ones that are like at the top are really little. And I can't imagine you would eat them. Yeah. What are you gonna do with those? Not even like you can like mount them on your wall or anything. No, they're like little and not that impressive. Derpy. Yeah. But people have I mean, they have they bring their own heating systems into these little huts. They like bring, you know, you can watch the Vikings game. They put up a satellite. Cool. (laughs) Wow. I'm very interested now. Minnesota culture is is something else. Oh my God. I only ever went there for overnight camp in the summer. I don't know like winter Minnesota at all. It's yeah. People just, you know, they say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. Love. So, right um, speaking of bad clothing, no, all these women look amazing. Um, so then when they're at the top of the hill, before they go down again, Meredith gives uh, Whitney and Heather some advice on Lisa. It's clear mm-hmm. that Meredith and Lisa are very close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just and that's when we get that flashback from four months earlier where Lisa's not very nice to Whitney about her, mm-hmm. you know, outfits and she looks so Utah and Meredith says, you know, when Lisa says oh, as your big sister, it's not meant to be patronizing, but I didn't realize Lisa and Whitney were so close that Lisa would even use the term like as a big sister. They don't seem that close. They seem sort of just like mwah, mwah, like air kiss, like friendy friends in that way, not like BFF sisterly vibes. Right, cuz she wasn't even at the vow renewal. No. 
No, she donated tequila and like wasn't even there. Also, I will say like, did I understand what Lisa was saying about how Whitney dresses little Utah? Yes. Am I mad at it? No. Also, is it any of Lisa's fucking business to give unsolicited advice about someone else's clothing? Absolutely not. Fair. All fair. <laughs> um, so then they have this dinner where Lisa makes that comment about I'll start with water and then I'll advance. Mm-hmm. And then she's talking about how she can't really ski because she can't get hurt before Sundance. And it's oh my God. so annoying. My, <laughs> so my note annoying. was just LOL. OK, period. Like she's so snobby. Like I can't even deal. She needs to be checked. What I find interesting, I always like to look at them on social media and see who they're close to now, because mm. this was filmed a year ago. Yes. It seems like Jen and Lisa are very close. Interesting. That's kind of a plot twist for me. I don't know where it's coming from, and I don't know where they're going, but they mm. definitely seem to get closer. Interesting. So they discuss Whitney's dad, Steve, finding a congregation and judgment and Lisa says something I thought was really smart where she said when they're talking about judgment on addiction, she said that's the cultural side of the church. That's not the gospel. And I felt that because I feel like in most religions, things that revolve around judgment around others aren't actually based in scripture. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what your religion is in scripture, it's not like judge someone else for doing this. Right. No, I I would argue that the scripture Yeah, I'm not, listen, I'm not the most well-read Jewess on the planet, okay? But I would argue that from what I've heard about scripture, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole point of religion is to make you less of an asshole. So why would someone write in a holy text to be a judgmental asshole? Totally. I should write my own holy text. (laughs) I would love it. Don't be a dick. (laughs) The not aspirational Bible? Yeah. I would read it. (laughs) Thank you. so then they get into this whole argument where whitney talks about feeling judged and explains feeling threatened by lisa and i don't know did you think what did you think about all of it and how she brought it up um i mean like for the sake of reality tv i loved that whitney was i mean i first of all when you say just say something to my face you better fucking be ready like you're opening the door for someone to be like okay yeah actually i do have a problem with you and that's what lisa did and whitney was like yeah i feel judged by you and I think Whitney has plenty of specific examples as to like situations where like objectively Lisa was judging her. So, I mean, then it kind of just became like everyone, not everyone, but like Whitney and Heather both being like, fuck you, Lisa, like Lisa, you suck. And then when Lisa said, I don't judge you, I don't care enough about you to judge you. I was like, ouch. And also I'm like, but that's a lie because you've been overtly judgmental in the past. Also, speaking of the fuck you, um, when Heather was texting with Lisa, oh my god, I didn't know that the thumbs up emoji is apparently an F you. Is this amongst people who don't or can't swear? I don't know, because I didn't know that either. And I also loved when Mary with her big fur hat was like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> Mary's faces this entire scene were incredible 10 out of 10 work um I didn't know that either though I will say I would say probably the rudest thing I've ever like said in a text that was like nice in quotes but actually was rude was one time I said thanks with an exclamation in like a bitchy way and my friend at the time who I was texting was like you're being a bitch and I was like true (laughs) I just (laughs) didn't know do you think that mormons have their own use of emojis that are just completely different than the rest of american society 
It would not surprise me because like the Mormon church has to adapt to technology. It's not like they're like Amish. So it's like, how do you not swear in a text message? You use a thumbs up. It makes sense to me. It's so funny because whenever I use a thumbs up, I genuinely mean a thumbs up. Same. I've only, because I'm this old lady trying to figure out, do I do the thumbs up to like what was said specifically, like in an iMessage where you Mm -hmm. can give a thumbs up to a specific bubble or do I have a separate emoji of a thumbs up? That's tough. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I abuse. <laughs> I don't know how to use emojis. I, no, I feel like I abuse the like iMessage responses. I'm like heart, 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 exclamation. Like I do it to like every single thing. So like I probably need to scale that back. Um, but I feel like when you thumbs up the message, that's you being like, cool, I agree, but I don't really care to keep talking. Whereas a thumbs up emoji is like, we could keep this conversation going. I'm still like specifically saying something to you. I appreciate that. I needed that feedback. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, totally. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like this old lady trying to figure out all of the... Me too. I'm not a big texter, you know? So, but now that it's one of the best ways to keep in touch with people, Mm -hmm. And during this whole year where we're all isolated, it's so mm-hmm. important to text. I'm mm-hmm. just not great at it. Yeah, I I feel like my texting this year has become, I feel like I text like, like I'm older than I am because it's a lot of like liking everything, heavy emoji use, like heavy caps. Like I'm just a very intense texter these days. And I think it's just because like I can't just hug people and tell them I love them in person. So I must overly respond in text form. Definitely. (laughs) Anything else on Salt Lake before going to Potomac? Oh, my God. No, I just love it. And give me, give me more in the immortal words of Britney Spears. It is so good. So good. So we go to Potomac and they are all the way around the world in Portugal. (sighs) And Giselle is just wanting Karen to mind her own business after Giselle Mm -hmm. has not minded her own business for about what five seasons now the hypocrisy it's astounding well and didn't karen say too like when giselle was like you need to like keep your mouth shut about the juan like robin engagement and karen's like okay i did once and i think it was like an accident like i don't think it was karen deliberately like trying to stir shit up whereas giselle is always trying to stir shit up Definitely. So Steve at Faces by Bravo has said from the beginning of the season that he thinks that the reunion is going to be much more difficult for Giselle than it is for mm-hmm. Monique or Candace. And he has said this from day one. Ooh, I'm interested because I feel like I feel like Giselle's been presented to us as the star of the show, like from the jump. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Yeah. And I reject it. Yes. And I think a lot of people reject it as well. And I agree. I mean, I think Giselle's stunning and I like love that she's messy. But like when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, she's going to be my favorite for sure. And she's not my favorite. I like them as a group, right? I like them as an ensemble. And I don't like when I feel that Bravo is pushing one over another. Yes. Yes. It's like, was there like a secret crowning ceremony that like we didn't see where like Giselle got crowned like the queen of Potomac? Like, no. And honestly, like anytime anyone comes for Karen, like I get very defensive because Karen is like top three, like one of my favorite housewives. Like I love her so much. And I just I think she's always a well-intentioned person. And so it just annoys me when I feel like people come for her. I'm like, leave her alone. I mean, you can come for her, but then don't expect her not to come for you. Exactly. Double standards. Fuck that. 
So um, then they go on these toboggans <laughs> down this mountain. We needed this. It was so entertaining to watch. They're oh. so entertaining, these women. When I when I saw them walking up to the toboggans, I was like, I cannot wait to see them all respond to like being like rushed down the side of a road in a toboggan. Like I, I loved every second. And Wendy transformed to Wenday, which is when she gets really drunk. And let me tell you, I love Wenday. I love Wenday. I literally was watching this episode with Jake and I was like, God, I want to party with Wendy. Like, she is the coolest. She seems like like she was vacationing the right way. She was like, yes, I'm going to do another shot. I'm going to order a drink in a robe. Like, I'm going to do all of it. She was having a good time and then sharing with everyone last week that she was named after the chain restaurant Wendy's. I mean, so iconic. (laughs) Absolutely love her. I love those square hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) They all go to dinner and I just love all their outfits. Like they don't spend too much time on glam. They're all Mm -hmm. so naturally beautiful. Stunning. They actually eat what's on the table. They don't seem anxious around food. It's so uncomfortable to watch a dinner in the OC or in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, yeah. It's like they're all dancing around the food and yes, making jokes yeah. about how hungry they are. That just feels so uncomfortable and dark. Yeah, it's bone chilling. I love Potomac and New York because in New York, they're, they immediately order a seafood tower no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing. And then in <laughs> Potomac, like, yeah, you can really tell that they're all like actually excited about the food on the table. Yeah. And they just have a really nice chat. Um, so Wendy, it's so crazy. Wendy talked about how she only really sleeps between 2 and 4 a.m. Concerning. It is concerning. I think, you know, she's probably pumping a lot. She has a very mm-hmm. new baby at home. And mm-hmm. the baby needs to eat at that time, like, a lot. So oh. she's probably not getting more than a couple hours of sleep at a time. You know? I But ha- literally... Could I look that stunning on two hours of sleep, please? Like, Wendy is literally, like, glowing and, like, bubbly and fun despite running on two hours of sleep. I'm like, how do you even do that? She does look even better, though, on vacation. And I think that's because she's getting, like, a full seven, eight hours. Yeah. She looks like she's sleeping and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Oh, a big, like, hotel bed by yourself when you're used to having, like, a husband and three kids, including a young baby. Like, that's that has to be incredible sleep. Oh, she... I love it. I love it for her. And Mm -hmm. so they're talking about motherhood and Candace opens up about potentially wanting to start a family and being ready for that. And Ashley Mm -hmm. is triggered. She's either triggered or she's like, this dinner is boring and everyone is getting along. I'm going to throw a (laughs) wrench into this. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's very annoyed that that Candace now thinks that they can bond over a motherhood journey when Candace came so hard for Ashley when Ashley wanted to get pregnant with Michael's baby. And accused her of not really wanting to get pregnant because she didn't stop drinking soon enough or something. Yeah. I kind of honestly forgot the degree of like the things Candace said last season about Ashley, um, you know, Ashley's pregnancy motherhood journey. And I was like, oh yeah, I would probably be triggered too if I were Ashley. But Ashley like in the moment doesn't stop her. And so that's what like, cause I feel like Candace brought it up to her a few times before Ashley sort of like went off at this dinner. And it's like, she could have put the kibosh on it immediately, but instead it was like compounded instances until she was just like, you know what? I don't want to talk about this with you. It was just letting her know, like I'm still not over it. 
And she mm-hmm. specifically because she said that Michael last season when he was crying about the miscarriage was like fake crying. And that's of all the things to say about Michael. I mean, I think that man is the devil. I think he's a horrible person. Yes. It doesn't mean he was fake crying and you don't need to go after them for their experience with grief. No, I, that's too much. That's always like, that's a no-go zone. I don't care if you're trying to be funny. I don't care if you hate the person. Like, you just don't touch that. And she just went the way that she goes on social media, too. And that was something that was brought up. But then Robin was like, yeah, but she would do that to anyone. It's a character flaw. <laughs> yeah. I love Robin. I love, really do. Love. I, she's so I love on that it. She's, yes, she's like quiet and observant. And then whenever she does say something, it like holds weight. And you're like, oh. Robin, yes. Have you noticed how quickly her head moves, like her neck between when people are talking? No, but now I need to keep an eye out for that. So when Ashley will say something and um, and then it gets really like a dig or at Candace, then she immediately looks to Candace like very quickly. Um, like, both her say? and Giselle <laughs> sort of do a really good, you know, those like two guys on um, the Muppets who are always in the audience. Like, yes, Statler and Waldorf. They kind of always watching, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, kind of I would say like, like, a, like a flatsum and jetsum Little Mermaid, like eels, like Ursula's eels yes. like in the corner being like, oh, Ooh? they're a little more eel-like, you're right, than Muppet-like. Yeah. <laughs> Way more accurate. And Plasm and Jetsam have those bright yellow eyes and they're the green eyed bandits. So these green eyed bandits are just waiting. And you know, Candace is saying that she's learning from therapy how to communicate without making people feel attacked. How do you think she's doing on that? Um, in that one dinner, she was doing great. Um for the past three seasons, she was pretty subpar. Yeah. You know, I feel like and listen, Candace is a polarizing person. And I think there's a reason for that. I will say, though, I love when Karen gets like maternal with Candace and like recognizes her growth because I do think Candace is capable of growing and I think she wants to. And I think I think we can't judge people for being at a rock bottom place because I have definitely been in places in my life where I'm just angry at the world and very confrontational and like difficult to be around. And I think if someone wants to grow like genuinely, then they can. I think so, too. But the difference with Candace is it's not just her just saying things like you can forget things people tell you, but she mm-hmm. puts them in words and she puts them in videos on social media yeah. and doesn't delete them. And they're up for a while and they are harsh. That's and so point. it feels like it takes another level of anger to mm-hmm. put something in a tweet or to make an Instagram live video where you hope yeah. someone dies True. You know, it's it's just a little too, too dark much. for me. Yeah. So then, you know, Ashley says the karma train comes back around and it's about to pull up into my station. And I'm thinking, girl, your karma train is Michael. You don't need to talk about a karma train. <laughs> yeah. Good like, point. You know, like, and then um, Karen opens up about how Ray didn't, really thank her or respect her for soldiering up for him for about two and a half years. It put a strain on their relationship. So everyone's happy with Karen being vulnerable. I think everyone's having a really good time. And I think Ashley says, hmm, this isn't really good television. I'm going to keep talking about Candace. <laughs> Will not let <laughs> it go. just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, though, because Giselle says, Ashley, do you remember how you acted before you had a baby? You used to act like this. And she points at Candace. 
And Ashley did. She went after Juan and Rob, or yeah, Juan and Robin. She went after everyone else's relationship. She -hmm. got super messy. She was mean, but she did not attack them online. That is the biggest difference. But I will say, I think part of why Ashley is so triggered by Candace is because they actually have a lot of similarities. Like, I think Ashley, too, likes to sort of get up in people's faces and instigate and say things that she knows are going to elicit a reaction. And so I'm like, don't act like you're suddenly like this evolved, you know, person because you had a baby. That doesn't mean that you've done all the internal work that you also should do too. You know, I understand like your energy is probably in different places once you have a baby. So maybe you don't sweat the small stuff because you're like, I'm exhausted. I have a child. Like I'm not going to bother myself with this, but like Ashley and Candace have plenty of similarities. And I think Ashley in particular doesn't want to acknowledge that. Yes. And that's the thing too, is I think, and I'm trying to get better about this too. Like when someone really bothers me, like being better about acknowledging like, Oh, you're bothering me because I know I see myself in this person and I'm frustrated that they're not responding in the way that I would or, you know, that kind of thing. But there's a level of self-awareness that has to be there for you to even be able to do that. And that level of self-awareness, it takes work to even get to that point, you know? Definitely. They both need to put in the work. Yeah. Um, Now comes one of my favorite parts of not just this episode, but of the entire season. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, this prank that they play on Wendy is so funny. They put fake snakes and spiders in her bed, and that wouldn't be funny alone, but seeing them in a producer's room watching live footage, like live feed, the way that we watch their feed mm-hmm. was so like breaking the fourth wall and all the fun. serotonin boost. It was amazing. And then for Wendy to have the reaction that she did that was so natural, like so truly frightened. Like she thought, okay, I found this spider, no big deal. Like, ha ha. And then when she opened the covers and there was <laughs> the snake, the screaming, it was so funny. I it was hilarious and I felt for her because I do not fuck with snakes or reptiles in general like I'm very afraid of them and like it was actually when they jumped out of the closet and they were like ah I was like you guys are so lame like that's not that funny but the way that it was a layered prank of like first the closet then the spider then the snakes under the covers I was like that was well executed is there anyone that's not afraid of snakes Oh my gosh, my best friend Anna growing up, she had a pet snake and literally she like would just carry it around, play with it, like not a big deal. And then one time he got out for a long time and I would sleep there like every night. And I remember being like, Anna, like I'm really scared your snake's gonna like slither over me in my sleep. And she was like very hurt because she was like, hey, like that's my pet. And like, I think he's gone forever. Like, please be sensitive. And then eventually they found him. And to this day, I wonder like, did he slither over me in my sleep? I don't know. (laughs) I think when you see a snake... It's less scary than like a snake being thrust upon you. Like there's I'm something about both. an unplanned snake. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Of yes. Anything like, that you're not expecting to see, a snake makes it so much scarier. Oh my God. I went on a walk recently and like a lizard like ran across the sidewalk and I was like, because ah! <laughs> I wasn't planning on it. Yeah. No, I don't think lizards or anything like that are scary, but something about the slithering of a snake Mm -mm. and like 
they just seem like they can crawl in these small spaces. And I don't like anything that moves in a way that's erratic. So frogs actually really scare me. Birds scare me. Snakes scare me because it's something that can like pivot really fast and like get to you. Oh, yeah. And you're not expecting it. And I don't like and I don't like the unpredictability of that. Like if a dog's about to run at you, I'm not trying to minimize dog attacks. I'm saying like it's a big animal. Like you can see it like, you know, you can mentally brace yourself. But if a bird like dive bombs you. You can't prepare for that. You don't know what's about to happen. So you never had pet like frogs or anything like that? No, I've only had cats and dogs and fish my whole life. And even fish kind of freak me out if I'm being honest. Why? Because their eyes are super creepy. Yeah. And I think they just look scary when they're dead, which is a weird thing to say. (laughs) Because I'm like, if they're dead, they can't do anything. Like a fish can't hurt me. But like, you know, every time like when I was at overnight camp and I would like swim in the lake, I was like terrified that like a dead fish would like brush against me without me noticing. I don't know, Mandy. No, I think fish in lakes are much scarier than like looking at a fish in an aquarium. Yes, that's that's what I mean. Oh, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. No, anyways, (laughs) this is a tangent. I was talking yes, about ranking was reptiles great. with you. <laughs> um, so then we see the next day Robin uh, is wearing this weird sweater getup, even though it's quite warm there. And uh-huh. she's thinking of cutting Karen's hat pictures out of her website. And I don't understand why she thinks they don't. She, Karen's not doing the hats justice. It's hilarious that that's even a sentence. But I'm yeah. sorry, I don't think anyone can do those hats justice. They're not that cute. Thank you. Now we said it. Yep. And like, honestly, like, I thought that like Karen's pictures were cute. I thought they were very Karen and they were no more like, I don't know, like professional than any of the other pictures they took. Like, it's obvious that it's like she was sort of using the um, platform of the show and the following of the women on the show to advertise her hats. That's a smart idea. So if you're going to do that, then do it 100% and put all the women on your website. Yeah. No, it, it's this really silly thing, and I can see it. I can see where we're going. Mm-hmm. And then Karen, of course, does her maternal attitude with Candace, telling her she's so proud sweet. of her for not responding when Ashley was upset, and that it's okay for Ashley to be upset with her. That's her mm-hmm. journey. That's her struggle. And it's like, could, should Karen be all of our therapists? Oh, my gosh. I just want to be, like, sw- like swaddled by Karen. Like, I just want to be in, like, a big, like, maternal hug of hers and just, like, smell her like La Dame and just, like, nuzzle into her bosom and, like, get advice. I want that, too. Do you think like, it's I want Karen because to, like, we're both missing our mom? Literally. You know what I mean? When you see that maternal <laughs> yeah. energy, you're like, give it to me. I need it. Like, <laughs> I need an IV of maternal energy. Like, you start, like, foaming at the mouth. I'm like, I want Karen to, like, brush my hair and, like, tell me a story. Like, please. And tell me everything's going to be okay because she yes. knows it. She has so much confidence in other yes. people. Oh, my gosh. There is nothing more so, like more assuring than a mom being like, it's all going to be okay. And when a mom tells you to rest. I love when a mom is like, you know what you need to do? You just need to get in bed, put your feet up and put on a movie and rest. And you're like, well, if a mom tells me to do it, I guess I have to do it. And there's just something about dads that it's just never that calming. (laughs) Oh, never. My dad's like, honey, if you're fucking sick, you got to go to the doctor. And I'm like, why would that calm me down? My dad's just like, I don't know why you're crying about this. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't get it. I'm like, because I'm giving myself shots of estrogen and all kinds of crazy hormones, and I am going insane. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not okay. What don't you get? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
gonna I'm gonna call Miss Huger. She's not that far from me. I bet she's only forty five minutes away. Oh my gosh, I would love nothing more for you than on the other side of this pandemic to have like a weekly coffee date with one Karen Huger to just like get that maternal energy and just like talk about your feelings. I just want her to tell me that she's proud of me. <laughs> same, literally same. Oh my that's gosh. all I need in life. Note to self, get you a cameo from Karen Huger telling you that she's proud of you. Yes. When's your birthday? Yes. May 15th. <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make this happen. I yes. did get a cameo from my brother and sister-in-law from Sonia, which was so chaotic. She was stuck at a spot retreat in Palm Springs during the quarantine and was the only guest <laughs> when she made it. And she also didn't know how to pronounce Roni. Even though it was written as Roni, she called it Ronnie. <laughs> Oh, sure. <laughs> it was the most Sonia thing ever, and it was so chaotic, and I loved it. But I feel like I do need a cameo from a housewife that has that maternal energy, mm-hmm. that calmness, mm-hmm. you know, that belief in you. Yes. You're on the right path. That's you your got journey. Like, I want her yes. to say that. That's your journey, Mandy. Yes. Oh. Love Karen Huger. Oh, my God, noted. Um, And then Ashley drops her bomb. She tells Robin and Giselle that she is going to make a character statement about Candace for Monique's case. And Robin thinks that she shouldn't pick a side because she didn't witness the fight. But what makes more sense to me is Robin's like, well, I wish you made a statement in support of Monique rather than a statement against Candace. Yes. And I, I feel that. It's a good point. And I appreciated them for calling her out and being like, okay, so this is like a revenge thing though, right? Because like clearly Ashley's not over the shitty things Candace has said about her and Michael. And therefore she kind of sees this opportunity to be quote, a good friend to Monique. Well, you know, taking shots at Candace. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't really understand all the legal stuff. I'm not a lawyer and I don't know any of this, but I'm wondering if part of her case is trying to prove that Candace was the aggressor because at this point, Monique had glass near her lip. I think she thought that Candace threw a wine glass, even though the footage shows she didn't Mm -hmm. and wants to prove that this is like a history of behavior or that she is I I don't really know. But at this point, don't you think they would have seen the footage from the producers? Probably. I mean, especially if they're being asked to weigh in on something legally, because I'm like, that was my first thought was like, Ashley, you were in the bathroom. Like, you literally weren't even there. So like, where do you get off? But also, and I believe Monty said this to me when we were podcasting together, like, she thinks that Monique has some footage of Michael and it's she sort totally of like a, does. yeah, a, like you scratch my back, I scratch yours kind of thing where it's like, I saved your ass by not releasing this footage. So now you will get me back. Like, I've that's definitely, but that's what Giselle said. Yeah. She was oh, kind yeah. of like word on the street or whatever is that there was footage and mm-hmm. Monique's family members, including Chris and her brother, I guess, spoke out, you know, saying in favor of Michael Darby. That's really dark. If you have a friend that covers up your husband grabbing a cameraman's ass. I'm sorry. Like, no, that like, I'm not interested in being in a friendship where I'm asked to co-sign that kind of behavior by just like not releasing the footage and like keeping my mouth shut. No, thank you. But didn't Ashley say all last season that he didn't do it? 
Yeah. And she also was like, she's like, don't bring this up. We're not going to talk about it. Nothing happened. And they're like, well, if nothing happened, then what exactly are we bringing up? Like, it was kind of just like a, huh? Oh, it's dark. I think it's, yeah, they're letting her know that this is going to be war with Candace. I am so excited to see Candace in that little leather, like Ariana Grande adjacent, like <laughs> sex party mask being like, fuck you, Ashley. Little cat ears, you know? Oh my God, she looks so hot, though. I'm like, yes, Candace is like rocking that outfit. She looks great. And I don't know. I mean, Ashley's in an unusual outfit as well. Mm-hmm. And costumes are happening. I love when they have a very serious fight in costume. It's the funniest thing. You know, I remember this one Halloween in college where my boyfriend at the time dressed up as Newman from Seinfeld for Halloween and I dressed up as Janice Ian and we got in this big fight like on the main (laughs) strip of like restaurants like on our campus. So obviously a bunch of drunk people are like milling around getting drunk food at this point. We're both wasted and we're in the middle of a fight in costume and he accidentally called me by his ex-girlfriend's name and (gasps) I just started crying and I think about like I still have flashes to that fight where I'm like what must it have looked like to see like Newman and Janice Ian like crying and yelling at each other like in the middle of the street hilarious it's my favorite housewives trope so funny of all of them like there's you know the really crappy apologies you know Mm -hmm. let's just move on from this and then fighting in costume and taking it so seriously is the best for me I know it's so funny like they clearly forget that they're in costume. That's like any serving job I've ever had where they're like, dress up for Halloween. I'm like, no, because if I fuck up someone's food, I'd rather not be yelled at like dressed as like a bunny rabbit. <laughs> it's like so demoralizing. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. Oh, my God. This was so fun, Hannah. Oh, Mandy, I always love such- talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It was like such an honor, such a pleasure. I had an amazing time. Let everyone know where they can listen to your podcast and where they can find you on the Insta. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me again. This was so fun. Um, Y'all can check out my podcast, Not Aspirational with Hannah Brown, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Hannah A. Brown and then TikTok at Hannah A. Brown zero. Oh, and Twitter at Hannah A. Brown too. But the A is very important because you will get the other more famous one uh, if you don't put the A in. So Hannah A. Brown. (laughs) Do people ever reach out to you thinking you're Hannah Brown from The Bachelorette? No, but um, I do remember one time someone tagged the other Hannah Brown when I think it was one time when I was on Everything Iconic. Someone was like, loved this episode with Danny Pellegrino and Hannah Brown. And I was like, she doesn't need the tag the way I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I did yesterday when I went to get a COVID test. The person who was handing me my test like was very disappointed that I wasn't the famous one. And I was like, can I just get a COVID test without someone being disappointed? What were they going to do? Like, tell us weekly that Hannah Brown from The Bachelorette went to get a COVID test before Thanksgiving. Right. And also it's like Hannah Brown, who for her birthday went on a yacht with like 15 different people like two months ago. You think she's going to get a COVID test before Thanksgiving? Like, I'm sure she's unbothered. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) So true. Well, thank you so much for being on. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and... Um, you know, 2020, let's hope that it just ends and 2021 will be a lot better. Yes. Thank you so much again, Mandy.
also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Hip 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.